Hey, Father. How you doing? Oh, I got my hands tied. Got a furry friend in the studio. So, what story are we doing this week? <gasps> Amazing. Okay, call back later. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, guys. This week, we are going to talk all about the rise of King David. And obviously, my homegirl in my hands is very excited. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. And this week, we have a special guest. She is a a little puppy dog named Nina Bonina Simone. Everyone shout out Nina. And obviously we got Clara in the back over here. Hey, what's good? Okay, listen, you guys, for those of you who are not watching the YouTube, please head over there because me and my baby niece, uh, Nina, who happens to be Wheezy WTF, her dog, she's the mom, that's why she's my niece, we are matching. She has a lime green bow on her neck uh, that matches my dress exactly because kids always have more fun with their aunties, right? Um, we're about to go drinking later too, because with me, you get to drink before you're, oh my God, I'm sorry, God, no, never mind, never mind, I'm kidding. Anyways, Glada, how are you? Get me out of here. <laughs> also, this dog is so hot. <laughs> Girl, get out of here. <laughs> Prop dog. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Look at how cute she is. Wait, can you cut to the, to the clothes one? Here. Look at this one. Oh, look at us. Oh. This is how I'm gonna be for our Patreon uh, promo. Don't you wanna, don't you wanna fund our podcast? Mm. It's like, but she's also a designer dog, so how hungry are we? <laughs> she probably costs like 5K. <laughs> I mean, it's borrowed. You're right, it's not we mine. We just have rich friends. Yeah, okay? no, no, I have rich friends. I am not one of them. <laughs> it's very fun to go to their house when they're giving away clothes. <laughs> like these shoes, guys, give it up for the shoes. Oh my, popola. Uh, here, show them. Where? Okay, part. is my pussy out? The, okay, <laughs> you can show you can show it here too. Okay. Oh my god, wait, no. Um, whatever. I already did it. You guys look at the shoes. I know that there are people who ask for photos of my feet. So hat mazel for you guys. It's Anyways, coming. You guys are gonna enjoy that one. Clip that. Clara, I've been dying to tell you about what the last couple of days have been like with her. I just want to let all of you know that I am ready to be a mom. And I wanna let you are you this camera. This camera. This camera. And that camera. I wanna let all of you guys know that I commanded this canine, this two pound canine, I commanded her to pee. I said, listen, Nina, you're on that pee pee pad, you're gonna pee. And she did it! Yes, that was impressive. Thank I'm you. not gonna lie. Thank you. All I, I went, Nina, pee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she did it. So thank you, Mama, for peeing. And she's really hot and tired, so I'm going to put her down. But I want to let you guys know that the last two days, I've ha I have a cat at home. So I have a gaggle of women, a farmhouse, if you will. I mean, I, 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 I've never had to be this stressed before. I mean, at night, she doesn't let me sleep. You know, I'm lactating, and I don't know <laughs> what to do. I'm lactating. How does the cat love um nina well love Did is the word she the first night she was hissing like who's that who's that and literally because she's in a crate at night collie spent all night sniffing around and she, she was like oh she ain't on another so the next day collie was like really like t just like testing her to see like if she's violent or not oh. and she as soon as she found out that she was a little pansy she she started playing with her i'll put videos on the oh, stories and yeah. stuff of like my cat's name is Collie, short for Melancholy, because I'm a sad girl. Um, she was like galloping. I've never seen my cat gallop playing with her. Oh, and they go like these? Yes, galloping. It's hilarious. And I've never <laughs> seen so much joy. But let me tell you something. This morning, I had to feed my kids, right? So I'm getting them ready for school. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm in the kitchen with my scrubs, cooking them pancakes. Cooking, and they both, one's gluten-free and the other one eats all the gluten. One of them has an eating disorder, the other one's a fat ass. <laughs> so, and the fat ass is this one, okay? A little body. She got the body of a Hadid, but the stomach of a sumo wrestler. Because, first of all, this morning, she ate my almost four-year-old cat's food. And her food! Because, you know, cats graze. Oh. Cats don't be eating like, at least my cat. She doesn't like run to it and eat it all. This heifer, she goes to her food, eats her food, and then she sees that other people are eating, and then she'll be like, I'll eat that too. And she oh. freaking ate my cat's food. Well, she's so, growing fast. 
Shit. Listen, and also, sorry, Wheezy, about that medical bill. If that happens, I will not <laughs> be able to cover that. <laughs> but um, yeah, or like if I have like little pebbles of like my cat, like my cat under eats. And this girl's eating all of her food and Kali loves it because she doesn't have to like eat. Anyways, I thought she ate her dinner and then I saw my cat's food salmon on her whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Being a mom, being a single mom for the next uh 72 hours has been really hard on me. I feel like Reba McIntyre. You know Reba McIntyre? No. You're fucking Spanish, of course. Yeah. Reba McIntyre is a country singer. Oh. She had a show. She had a show in the uh, early 2000s. It was called the Reba. And it was hilarious. And right now on TikTok, there's a trend using her song. There's, um, um, where people are limpiando, they're cleaning. Mm. They're like young people in their dorms, like doing the most. And they play that song like they're doing much, like a lot. So every time I'm holding, I'm holding Nina, I'm always like, a single mom who works too hard, who loves her kids and never stops with gentle hands and a heart. <laughs> Anyways, I just sing the song and I'm like, wow, this is what it's like. And I'm ready. I want to wow. be a mom. You Do you want to be a mom? You want to be a mom or you want a dog? You know what? Uh, I want to be a mom and I want to still be a cat mom. I definitely love me cats. Wow. And I'm reminded by this little rugrat, <laughs> this paquete. She's definitely not a cat. Like me and my cat are like very much like, all right, ladies, we're having dinner. Everyone's here at prayers. This girl's already eating. Like she's so rude, doesn't pray before her meals. We know whose mom she she's, is. Yeah, I was gonna say. We know whose mommy she is. <laughs> she's gonna go back to Weezy like, Weezy, she made me pray yeah, before, me what is that? <laughs> like, what are they doing? I just eat. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, I definitely wanna be a mom one day, like ASAP, not a, maybe dog. If it was gonna be a dog, it would be her because she's the closest thing to a cat. Oh, okay, for like, size-wise? Size-wise, pee-pee pad is super easy. It's like a litter box. Mm -hmm. But do you wanna be a mom one day? Yeah, definitely one day, not anytime soon, but um, yeah, sometime for sure. Do you think about it at all? Uh, not no. really, like not as an immediate thing where like I'm having an urge to uh, be a mom. Like I know eventually mm. one day I want to have children and you know, I think of future situations like, oh, you see some things sometimes and you're like, oh, when I have children, I'll do it this way or, oh. but it's not, uh, tomorrow thing oh okay Not at all. well you were saying in the other room that you were going to be a softy of a parent yeah so that's that's the type of expression like i know that when i have a child I'll be strong in certain things and like a softy in other things but I'm not that doesn't mean that I'm planning on getting pregnant anytime soon I'm not planning it but the way I'm acting it's like I'm having it next week like <laughs> I'm ready and I will be a tyrant I don't want to be my kid's friend no, I don't like I don't like when moms are kids friends either. Like you have mm -hmm. to you have to like of course you can be f nice and and approachable and of course you, they shouldn't be scared of you, but you're the mother. You're not a friend. I want them to be scared of me a little bit. A little bit. A little To bit. have respect. Yes. yes. But that's that's your Spanish side because that's how we are raised. Like yeah. parents are scary when you're a child. Yeah. And there's this, um, like, I, I find it in American families, there's this, like, desire to really understand your child, which I understand. Having your child have agency, I think, is important. And I didn't see that in my parents. I didn't see that in my grandparents. I didn't see that in my great-grandparents. So I see where that applies and how that could be beneficial for the child's future. Uh, however, I feel like we are putting too much emphasis in that now. Like, yeah, why are we talking about my child's sexuality before the age of 16? Like... 18 even, I mean, like, I don't know. No, sexuality, you should start. No, okay, no, I don't know if I want to do that. No, what do you yes. mean? Because- Or what do you think I'm saying? If, or do you want me to just say what I mean? I think you're saying do not like tap the topic until they are 16 or 18. Uh, Yeah, and uh, I'm not talking about your sexual organs, your like, like, I mean, uh, How identifying, works. identifying by a sexuality that those conversations are being had by children in schools now, or like even in social media. But what do you, I don't Okay. So when people talk about being gay, about oh. being, um, straight, trans, whatever the heck, whatever the heck, when people, when kids are kids, I want it to be, it's so important to keep their innocence and keep that kind of like purity. And like, you know, they're going to get to it when they get to it. I feel like when Ooh, you start gonna... adding, when you start adding, um, like, uh, 
oh, my kid is straight. My kid is, a, I don't want them to even talk about or even like discuss that. You know what I'm oh, saying? Okay. I don't, I see where you're going. I, uh, I agree partially. So I agree where, but that's in general, regardless of the age, I agree where you don't have to emphasize whether you're who you are. You don't like, you don't say I'm Brianda black hair. Cause you know, like whatever that well, we doesn't see that that's a little different. Okay, but I um, understand what you're trying to okay, say. Okay, I'm Brianna. My IQ is whatever. Got it. No need. Like, I'm, do you know what I mean? Like, but when it comes to sexuality, I think it is actually very important to talk to them, not when they're five, because they don't have any sexual desires yet. But when you start pre poverty or poverty, that's when puberty. Purity. That's when it starts to like, to grow. And it's important for them to know because, ah, quick question. What age did you lose your virginity? Were Can I you be honest with 18? you? Me? Yeah. Uh, I, I was the week before, not the week. My birthday's in February and I lost my virginity uh, in January. So like the month before my 18th birthday. Oh, you're a good girl. I lost mine at 14. And. Wow. I know people in Spain that lost their virginity before the age of 14. So if a child, because now I think about it and I see my nephews are 14, I'm like, (gasps) what? They're like literally scaring the crap out of me. Yeah. So if they're going to experiment, because at the age of 14, at the age of 14, you're still very mature, but you are grown enough to want to experiment and if you're already feeling that like sexual curiosity might as well know a little basics for sure and that that's so maybe i uh let me rephrase that not about uh sexuality itself it's the identifying by your sexuality as a child i think is useless i don't think that it's um it holds enough weight for your future for the long term not for the future that i desire for my kids which of course isn't the mo- the most um, uh, healthy way to view being a parent. I'm mm. not even a parent yet, guys, by the way. Like, I'm not a parent yet. I'm just saying, like, how I... I have a niece, though, and I helped raise the, the eldest, so I have somewhat... I can say a little bit. I can say more than most people when mm. you when you literally are there for your nieces so closely, so intimately. Mm-hmm. I'm like a aunt mother to them. Like, I know what their friends are being taught and I adamantly oppose it. So if that's now 2021, I can only imagine where when I start having children, which won't be till who knows, at least, you know, mid 20s, 2020s, like, I don't know where it's going to be. So I have to be a little more strident with certain things. Wow. I sound like a tyrant. Like I said, I am. I think I'm going to be a tyrant. I don't think you're a tyrant. I do think, though, that it's important that. So to me, the, your sexual identity starts for everyone when you start having sexual connection, like curiosity, you know? So when you're a pre-teenager, you don't want to experiment with sex per se, but you start being attracted to men, well, dudes, girls, whatever your sexual orientation is. And I think that it's important that from a, like an early stage, before that happens, no not no need to like bomb the child with this information let the child play but make them aware that well you're you have a religious background i don't know how it's you not even that. that but like that this is an option that you don't like because i've i have so many friends that are gay like gay dudes that like part of their most traumatizing stage was oh like i feel that i like something that is not what the society is telling me or it's not what the norm is and I don't know how to approach it because I don't do you know what I mean so so I'm going to repeat this and I think it's because if you missed it then I I know other people are missing it no 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 but I think other people 100% are missing it the identifying by your sexuality is what I adamantly oppose and I'll tell you why understanding observing like sensations that come up when you see a boy or a girl like mommy i'm attracted to this or that or whatever like you're there to be supportive to walk them through certain that's your job as a parent to be a guide like i think there's a difference between observing what's occurring to you and identifying by that 
We were just talking about oh. that with anxiety. Observing oh, that means that you are the... Exactly. Or so you're maybe binary. What I'm saying, okay. But we live in a culture where we identify by sexuality. Okay, what is sexuality? What is what is the... What's the... the, the let's just say, if sexuality was a boat, what's it, what's it floating on? It's emotion, right? Why am I identifying by emotions that are fickle and so like, no, I want to teach them that. I mean, okay, now this is where my religion comes in. You're identified by Christ. You're identified by something bigger than you. Mm. That's bigger than me, your mom. Mm. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, and yeah I, okay. And okay, I understand, I but I, I, I like, I can see how we kind of differ in some regard, but I think we're mostly on the same page. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's this identifying by a sexuality that we are obsessed with. We're obsessed with it because we're lost. Like, because we we deem it as cool. It makes a lot of money. It's really attractive. It's um, it's 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 commodified now. There's there's especially here in America. Like, it's especially crazy. in America, I haven't heard of bisexuality as much in my whole life as I have here in America. Or I have really? not known so many bisexual men or women before. Until I stepped in America. So I don't oh, know yeah. if it's like that you are more progressive in that sense. So people in Spain that are bisexual don't even know or don't have the, the, the support system to say it out loud. And that's why I don't know about it. Well, or that it's, I don't want to say it's a trend because I know that what like people that truly are bisexual, like that's not, yeah. I don't, and identify it as a trend or whatever that, that's real but yeah. i do believe that there are people that are not bisexual that you know play oh, shit. you know play okay, with it because no, it has is the new thing now i think the identifying by a sexuality comes from this and i'm just brainstorming here i don't know i'm just thinking i'm percolating the ideas are percolating i think it's because we've now entered a an era where we're not bound by uh, religious uh, texts. Like we're not in, we're not in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Where we're not in North Korea. I was just saying. Uh, I was just listening to a like mind-boggling episode of Joe Rogan's podcast with this writer, um, a, a North Korean refugee. She escaped um, a captivity. She was a prisoner there um, in North Korea. Her name is uh, Yeonmi Park. If you guys haven't seen it, please watch this. Uh, she, we don't, in America, we have so many liberties and freedoms and luxuries and opportunity that we, we've separated ourselves from any kind of like, like our moral landscape is founded on what is relevant. And right now what is relevant is, is sexuality, is popularity and again, I'm, this is a very first world situation. I know I have listeners in other countries and stuff. Please shoot me a DM. Let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Uh, but but that's just me. That's just my inkling. I think it's because we are no longer, we have no morals. Uh, no, I don't want to say that. Just because you're not religious doesn't mean you don't have any morals. That's not true. I think it's because we're distancing ourselves from this um, what's the word I'm looking for? No. You, I, I see you almost I don't, finished. Yeah, I, I feel like I do agree with you that Nowadays, there's less and less morals. And I don't think that goes linked with religion because I am not religious. Yes. I believe very... that I do have very you like do. high morals when I compare uh, myself to... Bitch, you have higher morals than me. <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. No, when I compare you keep me in check. <laughs> so, and I see that in society, it's like, wow. Like, I know it sounds super like conspiracy-wise, but like... We're losing ourselves, like, honestly. Didn't I, I just said that. Yeah. I know, but, like, it's common to hear it from, you know, like, people that are religious and now because you're not religious, oh, you're losing yourselves. But, like, I'm even, like, not religious, so I already don't have that filter from religion. And I'm seeing that, too. You know what I mean? Okay, we may not even get to a listener question because I want to talk about you, okay. uh, about, about this. What do you mean by self? We're losing ourselves. What is self? yeah that's something that's yeah that's think uh, about that losing ourselves okay let's let's break it down morals we're losing como perder el norte like you're losing your north star yeah your or like not yeah maybe not losing the north star but like your the priorities are becoming way more superficial huh. so the love for um 
person in general or the like the, the true essence of things person is, being yourself no no of the Others. other person okay or the not one one but like in general also it's getting lost and or not maybe not lost but it's transitioning and, and priorities are moving to a, a more superficial uh, i don't uh, approach or or huh. so with regard to your um non-commitment to any really spiritual practice mm -hmm. you're also like you said before you're someone that's very like uh, clinical you're very logic based even mm -hmm. in the way you speak i've also find that to be a common characteristic among many atheists mm. i'm friends with a lot of them you know mm -hmm. I, and, and i was one like um what is the definition then of good like having um you said uh you you said what is self you said something about morals i think that was the first thing you said mm -hmm. so who deems good and who deems bad like where does that come from there is um well most of it is common sense and experience that you common sense what if common sense yeah is common sense is not that common kill to be honest yeah, yeah. but um experience for one okay um also what you are taught from your parents or who or uh, teachers or like whoever raised you that does a lot like that nature versus nurture yeah like yeah exactly like you you as a human being for most part you know that certain extremes are good or bad based on how you feel like I wouldn't like to be killed. I know that's not a good thing. I value my life. I know that it's a bad thing to take away someone else's life. You know, I, however, like when you gave me flowers last week or have a nice gesture, it doesn't have to be material, but like a thought, a, a, a kind word. I experience kindness, mm. so I, I know that's a good thing. Okay. Throughout experience of life also, I've learned that sometimes you try to be kind, but the fine line between kind and full is very thin. That's something you learn through your experience. So now you have to find the balance between good and and, and like not doing bad, like you don't want to be rude, but you don't want to be too good and then taking advantage of. You, does it even make sense? I don't know. I'm uh, just hey, like no, no. shooting words. No, 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 thoughts, no, 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 no. I'm into this. I'm into this. I like, welcome to Super Trip Talk. <laughs> this is my other pod. Ah. So I always find it so fascinating to hear where people go with that response, mm -hmm. especially those that are non-believers. Um, because what you, what the words that you guys say come, like I understand what the words are saying, but in my head that is being transmuted as... God. your religion yeah and God. i said before i don't i'm not religious i don't believe that there is a god or a higher power entity whatever but i do agree that a lot of things that the bible say like i'm not i don't think the bible is wrong for most part I, uh, yeah I except for the parts that you know it says oh god came because i don't believe in a god so to me that is like okay that's a nice story but i don't believe in it but like when you're talking about, or even the metaphors that the the Bible, like through their stories, yeah. At the end of the life. day, it's a story about humans, yeah. Like, and that's life. That's how life is. So you asked me the other day. You were like, "But in the um, w w but I have a you, you. What did you ask me? I don't want to get it wrong, but you said something along the lines of, "Why would he create all these different religions, all mm. these different uh, cultural backgrounds, mm. all these different um." social classes all these like all these things that would cause wars and to, like did he do that and when you said that i i don't know if i had the answer and you hear me say on the show a lot like i don't know mm. but i remember thinking well the bible shows us that very thing you just described that's happening today because it's like it's historical i almost want to stop calling the bible the bible because there's so many connotations to it i want to start calling it an ancient source text because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's an ancient source text that was written 2,700 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, 
this it's historical like there were these people who thought to even document these things on dead sea scrolls yeah. for humanity and it's still around yeah that is so impressive. it's like yeah that is impressive so when you ask me that i don't know it kind of brought me back to well my ancient source text is worth investigating that question mm -hmm. but from the looks of it it existed back then too mm -hmm. that sexual identifying thing that i was i talk about today that existed back mm. then but at the end of the day like humans are humans so there are characteristics like whatever characteristics makes us who we are yes society has a huge influence the times that you live in have a huge influence but there are some basic traits like uh, the desire for power you see throughout history in the Bible and outside the Bible, mm -hmm. desire for power. Humans have this desire for power, regardless of what times you live on, like since early stages. Um, the, 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 um, mm. the, the, oh, oh. especially white men. Yeah. Oh, and I, and I'm not normally like that way. I'm not like <laughs> F white men. Ah, that's not what I do. I'm just saying like, historically speaking, that would make sense. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Anyways. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, um, like, I don't know the ego that 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 we have that is something that you see throughout history um the the flirting and the the games and the um the attraction to to temptation where it's mm -hmm. like in yeah. the verge of good and bad and you see mm -hmm. that throughout history I'm like right now I'm talking and I'm in my head I'm in the medieval times mm -hmm. comparing it to nowadays Mm -hmm. A lot of things that... Dude, take it even back to, like, Genghis Khan. Like, yeah. the freaking, uh, the, whatever, those, like, those you know, dynasties or whatever. Mm. Like, holy crap, we have been managing our way through humanity, trying to find order in these, like, wildly disorderly uh, realities. And we, it's a it's like a, a cycle. We keep committing the same mistakes, and then we go at it again. We go at it again. We go at it again. Like yeah, I used to have a history teacher that he used to teach history. He would say that history it's always two steps forward, one step backwards. Mm. That's how we move forward: two steps forward, one step backwards. And it's true. If you look back in time, it's like, oh, all these societies out of the sun, like they make all these progressions and, you know, like all these changes. Women are not allowed, now allowed to vote and to drive and to dress however they want. Da, 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 and then boom, one step backwards. Mm. Some people refer to that as like a pendulum swinging. Yeah. Like the pendulum always swings. Yeah. Or even um, in politics, it's oh, yeah. always right, left, right, left. Right, left. It's so funny because the things of God see no name. It's almost insulting, like and like um, how you can have people try and uh, politicize God or religion and stuff. It's so annoying. God is probably looking from above, being like, or not above. You know, God is not above or below. It's everywhere. It's you know, I'm treating you guys like children. Sorry, um, but like God is probably looking down and being like, how reductive. Like I am not, and I am not with that. What is this? You know what I mean? That's why church hurt is real because it comes from people like that. I mean, I'm not going to talk about the listener question. There was a listener question about like how do new believers become discouraged or dissuaded by uh, older generations or what do you, how do you deal with that? I'm paraphrasing if you wrote that, but like it's understanding that we're all flawed people and that your compass comes from one source and one source only mm -hmm. and that is god and the best way to get to know god the best way to get to know that or nurture that like interest in you is by go it's like i keep on saying like it's this it's an isolating almost crippling experience but you have to like go through that in order to even taste what what that would be like my self is rooted in my belief in god so it's like and that's an example. Not everyone's will look the same. But for me, it's such a surefire thing. Like, I have that in my pocket, in the tuck. Like, mm -hmm. because I go on dates with, like, I don't even know where I was going with this. Dude, we, we're, we're trippy gals. We're trippy. No, that was a really dope uh, discussion, Clarita. Oh, I, I, I'm into this, like, deep shit. Me too. too. Yeah. That's why I like you, you know? I knew you were different. I, you were so hot, too. So I was like, 
Another one? We're twins. <laughs> We're twins. You're one of us. <laughs> I want to have a clan of hot, deep girls hot come team. to our live yeah. shows. Like, if you're hot and if you're deep, and I don't care, and don't, don't, I'm not talking about uh, traditional conventional attractiveness, okay? okay? I'm talking about if you believe you're hot, I'm talking to you. That confidence. That, that confidence. Comes with the this is what I want. If you find yourself hot and sexy and believe in yourself and have these spiritual curiosities and are deep and stuff. Mm -hmm. Come to come to our side. Come to our live shows. Come to also our Patreon. Another plug. It does not exist yet, but it will. I'm just dipping my toes in the water. Mm. Anyways, let's get into this week's episode. Yeah, you guys ready for today's episode? Because we are going to be talking about the first years of King David's reign, as told in Second Samuel. If you did not watch last week's episode, please do. Like we just finished First uh, Samuel. Um, the story of obviously Saul's death and David's anointing, yada, yada, yada. Uh, the reason why you see in the Bible that there's a first Samuel and a second Samuel and also a first Kings, second Kings, first Chronicles, second Chronicles. Anytime you see that, it's because originally they were written on one giant scroll, but in order to, uh, to keep, to, to like uh, house them, they were too big. So they had to split them in two. Kind of cute, right? And 2 Samuel was not written by Samuel because as we know from 1 Samuel, the previous episodes of Bible stories, Samuel died, remember? Remember Saul had to bring up medium to get him from the dead, you know what I'm saying? Remember that? You would know if you watched the other episode. Please help me out, get the views up. Um, that we, we talked about that last week's episode. So the 2 Samuel is actually written by two prophets. The prophets were named Gad and Nathan. Uh, so don't be confused. Like Samuel didn't write this in the from the dead. Like he's definitely dead. Second Samuel was written by two prophets. Now that that's all out of the way, let's recap where we left off. Israel is a mess. Okay, Samuel, the judge, the prophet, the leader, he's gone, as we just discussed. Uh, Saul, King Saul, died. His Three of his sons died with him. So as you can imagine, the kingdom is, is, is wrecked. They don't know what to do. And David, we know that he has been informally anointed, right? But remember, he is in Philistia. He's over there with the Philistines, remember? Making a ruse, um, winning battles, like beating the Amalekites. You know, D David did that from a distance, right? But right now, Israel is not in a secure place. So while David is in Philistia, he doesn't know that Saul died. Hello. He actually, from where he was to where Saul died, it was like a four or five day tri trip. So the news definitely didn't get to David. So eventually some Amalekite hears word of Saul and all of his sons, not all of his sons, but three of his sons deaths. And he gets the news to David like a messenger. He's an Amalekite messenger, okay? Y'all, he goes to David and he says, oh my God, David, have you not heard the news? And David's like, mm, no son, about what? Boy, Saul is dead. And his sons are too. And David goes blue in the face. He can't believe it. And then this little messenger boy keeps talking. He goes, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, yeah, actually, I killed him. David's like, what? How? Keep going, kid. And the kid's like, oh, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like licking his lips. You know, it was easy. It was no thing, y'all. I know he was trying to kill you, you know, I, I, but you know, I'm team David over here. So like, you know, I just had to do what I had to do. He was sitting on a, on a sword, you know, and he wasn't, he was half dead. And you know, I saw him still talking and stuff. So I was like, yo, you want me to help you out? Cause I could just, hey, hey, I got you. David said, so you killed him, huh? The Amalekite kid went, yeah, I killed him for you. And I also have his crown here. Y'all, David was pissed. David was pissed. And by the way, this little boy, Clara, this little boy was capping, okay? Because we know from Samuel's uh, retailing on 1 Samuel, 
we know he didn't get killed by a little boy. He mm. killed himself. Like, you know what I'm saying? That boy is obviously capping. Mm. He's obviously trying to, you know, like, get good favors from, like, the next king. He's like, oh, David's going to be popping. Oh, so let me just, like, you know, you know, I got you, king. I killed him. No, you killed a king then. And, you know, David, because he wasn't around, for all he knows, David, that boy's telling the truth. So, Dave, let, let's get into, let me get into the scripture for some context. Okay, guys? All right. So, scripture, 2 Samuel. Oh, hi, hi Nina. Scripture, 2 Samuel, chapter 1, verses 14, by Nina, chapters 14 to 18. David said to him, how is it you were not afraid to put your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, go execute him. And he struck him down so bad that he died. And David said to him, your blood be on your head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. David had that boy murked. Yeah, don't lie. The moral of the story is don't lie. Stop trying to, like, fake it. What's, what's going on? That's a bad start already. For Terrible kid. start. But it also kind of goes to show you, I mean, high tangy, not really high tangy, that, like, how evolved David is. Hmm. Because... Any other man would have been like, yo, not only am I happy, I'm going to promote you. I'm going to make you a commander in my army. But David keeps it consistent. And David knows that he is a servant to the Lord first. How humbling. He's humbled. Not ego. No ego. The best leaders don't operate from a place of ego. Mm -hmm. They operate from a place of like community. If he, toler if he uh, enables this, if David were to enable that, the kiss of death for any society. So the fact that David not only avenges this, Saul, I guess, because he thinks he killed Saul, he ends up mourning after a man who tried to kill him for years, a man who gave away his wife, because, you know, Saul gave away David's first wife. Like, that kind of, I'm not big enough for that. That's, I would have been like, off with his head. I think I am. You not, are, that's what I'm too, saying. You're very too, evolved. like, big myself, but I, because... No, you are. You're very well adjusted. That's why I'm so fascinated by you, because I'm like... God is here, but you tell me God isn't here, but I say super messed up things and you tell me they're messed up. And I'm like, why do you have stronger morals than I do? What's going on here? And what aren't you telling us? Anyways, let's get back to the story. So now that David knows that Saul is dead, he's now concerned over his people. He's got to let his people in Philistia know he's got, I got to take care of some business. My peoples are in trouble. Right? But of course, before you do anything, what do you do? You consult the Lord. Very good. Clara just pointed up, guys. You guys didn't see it. I wish we had a Clara cam. Well, we do, but <laughs> we you're do, not catching we yourself. We consult the Lord. And David asks God, God, what do I do? Like, you you tell me where you want me to go, what where you want me to go, what you want me to do, who do I gotta kill? Like, what's what's good? Tell me what to do. So God says, You need to go back to Israel. And David's like, uh, thanks, Father. Uh, where in Israel? And he goes, I need you to go to the land of Judah. Father, you're not helping me. Where exactly in Judah? I need you to let me know where to go. It kind of reminds me when you're praying to God and like you're not getting the answers you want. It's like, okay, but do I break up with him or not? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that. So uh, uh, then God tells him, okay, in the land of Judah, which you guys know of the tribes of that area, Judah was one of, is the largest. It's like the state of California. Like it's huge. And God tells David, you need to go to Hebron. David goes over there. And luckily enough, people know that David was informally made king. So they kind of know about him in that area, especially. And Enough people believe him and know about his story. David and Goliath, all these, uh, defeating the Amalekites. They know enough about him. So David becomes the official king of Judah only for now mm. at this time. So during this time, word is getting around in the other tribes, the other territories, where Saul is from. You know, all around Gad and all around these other uh, uh, territories. And Saul's family, of course, with his passing, they want to keep the power within the family. So we've got Saul's uncle and his army commander start conspiring like, oh, no, we got to keep it within the family. 
we need Saul's son to be king, okay? So let's hop into scripture to see, uh, to introduce ourselves to these new characters and a little bit more about what they were discussing. So uh, scripture, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Uh, we've got, and before I start the scripture, actually, I want to introduce you to some characters. So Abner is, was Saul's uncle. And the character name, this word, oh, this name always messes me up. Ishbosheth, Ishbosheth is Saul's son. Got it? Capish? Wow. Okay, back into scripture. Uh, chapter two, verse eight. But Abner, the son of Ner, commander of Saul's army, took Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to Manaheim. And he made him king over Gilead and the Asherites and the la 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 la. You guys, it's a whole bunch of towns. Don't make me say them. I know you're going to come for me and I know I'm going to sound dumb, so I'm not even going to bother. Then Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he began to reign over Israel. So at this point, we know, per the context, we know that David is king of Judah and Ishboeth, that's not the name, Ishbotheth, Ishbleh, Ishbam. Uh, ish, it's such a difficult name. There's a freaking yeah. a, a hyphen thing, and there's a hyphen in the name. Like he knew he was important in history. He could have chosen an easier name. Uh, yeah, like, why not Anthony? Okay, like a really Italian name. <laughs> like, oh my God! Hi, Tanti. Did you hear about? Oh, we gotta get to the story. Did you hear about um, uh, Andrew Cuomo? No. Get the governor yeah, resigning? Yeah. No. yeah no. Oh, he, did there he? was something he started mentioning, like he was Italian, and that's why he's handsy. Or whatever. Girl, okay, you guys, maybe I'm makeshifting this story, but like, listen to that. That was a high tangent. Okay, anyways, so now we have two kings, two kings in Israel. We've got David in Judah, and we've got Ishboeth in, I said the name wrong again, handling, uh, being king over all the remainder of Israel. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> Sorry. Is that not the hardest name ever of all the names? It's crazy. Like, I'm scared to try pronouncing it. It's very difficult. It's, it's crazy. And I repeat, I will be paid handsomely for all of this one day. <laughs> but um, so we have right now we have two reigning kings. That's very confusing. And of course, as you know, this may cause a little bit of beef mm -hmm. between certain families. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? After about two years of the kingdom having two kings, the families start talking smack, okay? And there are two teams. Think of it like the Olympics. We've got Team David and we've got Team Ishbosheth. Oh, said it right. Anyways, we have Nair, his uh, um, uh, Saul's uncle, representing Ish. We're just gonna call him Ish. Got it? And then we have uh, Joab representing David. Joab was, uh, I think, David's nephew. And they, they meet by a pool. Somewhere, because, you know, they know at this point that there are two kings running stuff now. So they meet by a pool, and they start talking so much smack like, nah, but David got this, nah, it's all, this is Saul's territory. We're, we we repping that Saul lineage, right? They start talking mad smack, start insulting each other's moms, yo mama jokes, like, oh, yeah, that's why, that's why your wife DMs me her pussy all the time. <laughs> Believe that! You know, but they start talking mad smack. So you know what they go? Like, dudes do always, let's fight about it. So they started having these little battles, kind of like David and Goliath, which is like one-on-ones. And each time two people would uh, go one-on-one, -on -one, like Team David, Team Ishbosheth, oh. they would have two and then they would, they would scuffle. Some would win, some would lose. Of course, David's side, because they have the power of the Lord, wins. Dude, technically all of them die, but uh, David wins. Like, I don't know what kind of rules they have in place. They, they have to have some kind of rules mm -hmm. in place. But these people were savages. But Abner and, um, oh, and Joab, Abner's team-ish, Bosheth, they hit a truce because they're like, okay, if we keep doing this, David's team is going to kill all of us. So they hit a truce. And then things are kosher for just a little bit of time. All right, y'all. Now, this is where we get a little bit telenovela drama. Okay, you guys, Queen Nina is lip smacking over some water here. Can't you see I'm trying to work? I gotta pay the bills, okay? I'm a single mom. <laughs> David is acquiring power left and right, obviously with those little battles. 
Like he's really making himself known. And like, there are territories that are being won over by David. David also has his two wives. You know what I'm saying? He, he has th three kids for each wife. Oh, Just I wanted to bring you up to speed. Anyways, so let's pop into Saul's territory and see what's happening there. It appears we have a bit of a family debacle that happens over at the Saul's kingdom, right? So Ish-bosheth, can you see me straining to say that name right? So apparently Ish-bosheth gets word that Abner slept with one of Saul's old concubines. <gasps> uh, cut to Clara's face. Are you cutting your face? Because this is hilarious. Yep, that happens. And Abner is like, I'm sorry, what? What did you just say? He's insulted. He is borderline offended. Now, let me bring us up. Let me bring us some Bible stories beyond a context here. The reason why Abner, because we don't find out if it really did happen or not. Okay. But the reason why Abner's so offended is because back then, it really isn't an offense if someone who has died, you if you sleep with their concubine, because technically they're dead. But the real offense here, that would be my daughter. The real offense here is that once you see someone, especially in a kingdom where they're still figuring things out, if you see this commander of Saul's army, Abner, start to sleep around with his ex-wives and stuff, you could imagine that maybe, maybe he's looking to overtake from the inside. So that's why Ish-bosheth came up to him, but that's also why Abner was extra offended. He was like, what, after all I do for you, I repped you, I put you in as a king. Like, what? So this pisses Abner off so much, guys, that Abner says, you know what? You ain't a king, and we all know it anyways. It's David. <laughs> yo! Yo, I swear I read that and I went, oh wait, the tea is hot, okay. <laughs> So then, wait, I want to go here. Uh, here. Okay, so then Abner goes up to David's spot and is like, hey, yo, listen, I'm flip-flopping. I'm a bandwagon fan. I am no longer Team Saul. I am in your team, okay? I don't want to be with ish bosh bush bosh I can't even say his name. I'm with you, David. <laughs> Much easier name. And David goes, okay, hold on. What's in it for me? He's like, what? There's no, there's no ulterior motive. I promise. Like, I'm here. I'm good. Like, I'm yours. Where, where do you want me? And David goes, okay. Then I'm going to propose something. Do you remember when King Saul gave my wife away? I want you to get my wife back. Mikal. You guys remember? Ooh. And Avner says, uh, I mean, that'll be kind of difficult considering she remarried but sure, I'll do it, fine. So, and of course, Abner wants to gain David's good graces. You know, he knows, mm -hmm. you know what a, com a commander knows what he's gotta do. So Abner does that. Abner's going out, organizing, planning McCall's arrival and whatever. And y'all, I, I almost like, the Bible is such a great story, dude. Joab finds out that Abner, jo and just so we, we know, because I know that they're going to be people who are smoking weed listening to this who need me to recap real quick. Joab is Team David. Remember from before with the pool boys? Joab is David's nephew. He was always been Team David, okay? And Abner was Team Saul at the pool, but now Abner's crossing over. David approved of it. If he gets McCall back, his ex-wife will now be his present wife. Not really an ex because he was stolen from her. You get the picture. Joab finds out that Abner approached David and said, I want to be a part of your team. And once Joab figures that out, Joab being David's road dog is like, and you believe him? No, he's not saying that because he means to. He's, he's probably just uh, trying to get, get weasel his way in here and then take over. What are you doing, David? Come on. David said, I can assure you that's not the case. I promise you, cool off. Joab goes, yeah, I'll cool off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freaking goes to a dive bar, gets drunk. No, I'm kidding. He doesn't really do that. But for the story, he goes to a dive bar and gets drunk. And then he finds Abner and kills him. 
look at the camera again. Where you want me to look? Because I'm shocked either way. <laughs> no, yo, like these people, this is what I, and like, you know what this reminds me of? Like, because I believe that these things happened. I don't believe them as fable. This is the Bible. This is my ancient source text. Like ancient source text. When you're in desperate situations, yo, the mind does wild things. You know what you do when you're in desperate situations. I know what I've done in desperate situations. They haunt me to this day. And Joab kills Abner. But Michal ended up going to David because she wanted to go back to David. There's a whole other bit of drama there. I'm not going to talk about it because then this would be a three-hour podcast. But Michal is now in David's presence. And now David has three wives wow. around. And Abner is dead. And Joab killed him. Eh. But the Bible is wild. Once David hears about Abner's death, David mourns. David laments the loss of this man because he believed in him despite Joab's anger and overprotection of his uncle, David. So as you can imagine, once Abner dies, you know, Saul's people are in a scuffle. Like they are now, they're really nervous right now. Like what's going on? Is this the takeover? Like, is this it? We're done? So among this era, this block of time where we're transitioning power and Abner dies and Saul's family hears of it, David's savages, you know, he's got a strong army. They start really going ham for David thinking that they're really beefing. Does that make sense? Like thinking that something's going more like bigger than it actually is? Well, I mean, this is pretty urgent, but they're, you know, when people don't have the con like information, they start blowing stuff up. Mm -hmm. So this is exactly what happens because two commanders end up killing Ishbosheth during this time of commotion and chaos. Wow. So now they legit have, they killed another king because he was a king of the other 11 tribes. And those commanders come to David, the ones that killed Ishboeth. And they go, David, we're good. You are now king of all the land. And David goes, what do you mean? The commander goes, we took care of Ishbosheth. You're good. You're basically king of the whole land. It's fine. Should I get a raise? And David goes, what? You killed a king? I'm about to kill your ass. Because we already know David did it before. It's basically like repeating itself. All these people that think that they want to like be good. and they, they, they th I feel like it's because they have dealt with certain kings in the past that would have been like exalted for these things. David is not like that. David's heart was with God. One of the things that David is most known for is for having his heart be like tethered to God's, you know? So once David hears about this, he does not celebrate. He does not promote them at all. He kills them because they killed a king, King Ishbosheth, which is a crime of the highest degree. So you know what? I love a man that keeps it consistent. Oh my God, I am so hot. Can you tell? You guys, can you tell? I am shining, 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 shining. Yeah. You All of this money, I've been losing my mind. And now, for a little bit more context, after these two commanders reveal to David that they killed Ishbosheth, and David condemns them for doing that, let's hop into scripture. First, never mind, second, Samuel chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous man in his own house? on his bed, shall I not require his blood at your hand and destroy you from the earth? Because they killed him in his sleep. That's why he mentioned the bed, okay? Mm. And David commanded his young men and they killed them and cut off their hands and feet and hung them beside the pool at Hebron. And they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner at Hebron. So we know that David took care of business. Like he, although his people flubbed and made a mistake, it doesn't matter. He'll event, he'll, he'll, he's just at this point, right? We're not at the second half of Second Samuel yet because David messes up. But stay tuned for next week's episode for that.
And that's basically where I'm going to leave you guys off and as far as 2 Samuel goes. But you know me. I like giving you guys a little bit something extra. And I wanted to, uh, since we're kind of like studying in a playful way, um, this is comedy though, uh, I wanted to remind you guys that during this time, a lot of the book of Psalms is currently being written by David. Like we said before, the book of Psalms is another book in the Bible. Uh, in 75 of the 150 Psalms were authored by David. So it's important to, if you really want to understand the story, to dive into what, it's kind of like reading David's journal. Do you mm. understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense, Clara? That's interesting, yeah. Yeah, so you kind of, while you're reading, you get to see a little bit, of, oh, so that's what he meant. That's what he was going through. Because right now, in 2 Samuel, you're aware of the actions, what what he did in order to get to, like, where do I go? Where do I, and we know what he does. But we don't know what he's thinking about. We don't know what he's actually experiencing, right? Mm. And I made a note of some of the Psalms that I think would be beneficial for this episode. Um... Uh, please read them, guys, if you will. I won't be dissecting all of them now, but uh, I'll dissect a couple. So read uh, Psalm 6, Psalm 8. Oh, Psalm 9 is really good, too. Um, Psalm 10. Psalm 10 is so... Um, okay, sorry. I should have just said 8 through 10. Okay, Psalm 10. And the reason why I really like Psalm 10 is because... Remember... Ooh, oh, this feels so good. It gets me excited. Because you know how in, for, in 2 Samuel we hear David reach out to God and ask him for guidance and stuff. Mm -hmm. We assume that that God comes all the time and he's very clear and you know what I'm saying? That's not the case always. And we rev he, it's revealed in Psalms because in Psalm 10, let's read it. Oh, this is so beautiful. David asks like, where have you gone? You know? Oh. So um, Psalm 10, chapters one through four. Psalm, uh, David writes, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. And the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. At this point, God, um, uh, uh, David, it's obviously poetic, right? But he's describing this sense of confusion God, why do you make the worst people be leaders? Why do you make these evil, wicked people uh, 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 rule over over innocence? Why do you keep? Why does that happen? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the Book of Job, like why suffering occurs, and I, I, oh, that's so humanizing because we can all understand that. Mm -hmm. Like, why do these things happen? Why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you fi well, find me? And there's also another Psalm, Psalm 87, that is so dope. God, I have so many. I'm just picking one, guys, because I could go on and on and on. But uh, I don't know. Psalm 87, uh, 4 to 7, verses 4 to 7. Among those who know me, I mention Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cushu. This one was born there, they say. You guys are probably confused while I'm saying this. So uh, in Psalm, chapter 87 is all about... Other people, Gentiles, outsiders, foreigners who were brought into the to the world. David writes about how God creates a home for everybody. And if you're not in his home, he welcomes you to create a home within his home, not apart from it. Um, it's so beautiful. And then he ends that uh, that psalm with like, and so that we can all sing and dance together. Nina, stop biting my shoe. Nina. <laughs> Nina. Moral of the story is God always provides. But he also invites others to make a home within his. Outsiders are welcome. And our father rejoices in a diverse home, like what King David writes in Psalm 87, 7. All my springs are in you, whether that be an anointed king from a holy family line or Rahab, a pagan prostitute, or the city of Babylon, a wicked town. Listen, God is love. And the Bible shows us that 
Showing grace to our enemies can strengthen our relationship with God, with love. I mean, when David learned about Saul's death, he mourned for him first. He mourned for his enemy. God provides for his people and invites others to sing and bask in it if they so please. So let's start singing, babes. Ooh. Oh, hey, Father, how you doing? Yeah, no, this is the last episode we do with the dog. Yeah, um, what? I'm not a single mom. The dog isn't mine. The dog is mine. He loves you. Listen, all we gotta do is talk to Wheezy and be like, can I have it on the weekends? It's technically mine, right? 